0: The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I am your host, Jess, whoever you are and wherever you are joining us from today. Thank you so much for being here. We're excited to have you. Today, I am accompanied by Mr. Eric Beer. He's the CEO and founder of Recovery Breakthrough. Eric, welcome.
1: Thank you, Jess. I appreciate it. Wonderful to be here.
0: I'm super excited to talk with you today. So I just want to dive into kind of a starting point. CEO and founder of Recovery Breakthrough. We're going to get into what Recovery Breakthrough is. But first, I wanted to know a little bit about your story. How did you get connected to, and we're talking about substance use recovery here? That is correct. Okay, so how? What's your personal connection to that?
1: Sure. Um, well, I basically got clean and sober uh, almost five years ago. My sobriety date, my clean day, whatever you want to call it, is actually July fourth, two thousand seventeen. Before that, it took uh, me many, many times and many tries. Um, I had started to uh, reach out for help um, as far as addiction in the late nineties. I had uh, uh, reached out and and did treatment centers, went to 12-step meetings. uh, But unfortunately, I was a repeat offender. Uh, I was somebody that just could not stay clean and sober for long periods of time. And I was given what I uh, like to call the gift of desperation uh, this time around. um, And a series of events caused me to uh, get open, uh, get honest, and uh, more than anything, get willing to do anything and everything to stop using drugs and alcohol. Um, so um, I started to attend uh, 12-step meetings. Um, I started to become real quickly, once I got some clean and sober time or some sobriety under my belt in early recovery, um, I started to become a quick recovery advocate and started to give back, which is part of the process for me of recovery. And that was becoming a circuit speaker, uh, reaching out and talking um, and doing service commitments at 12-step meetings. Um, I started to go into uh, hospitals and institutions to carry the message of inspiration, hope, and strength to others suffering from the same disease. And in my experiences this time around, um, it takes what it takes, Jess. And I guess in, in my journey, Um, I had so many realizations this time around, but one of the big ones was getting sober is only the beginning. And I think Mm -hmm. that that was kind of a mistake or kind of a misinterpretation of me numerous times around. Um, I think continuous recovery is a combination of things, but for me, getting away from drugs and alcohol as a coping mechanism was only the beginning. And to me, the true work on my journey had been when I started working on myself, when I started to become, as I said earlier, honest, open-minded, and willing to do anything and everything to find new behaviors, new coping skills, to make new connections with a fellow alcoholic and addict. So that's kind of what started me on the journey. Um, And then what brought me around to Recovery Breakthrough is uh, I was actually in the hospitality business. I laughed because I'm kind of a trifecta. My last name is Beer. I'm an alcoholic and I was in the liquor business. So, you know, I'm an addict that's an extremist who has short term memory loss and who makes very, very poor decisions with poor coping skills. With that being said, I enabled myself and I was in the liquor and the restaurant business for a very long time. So, even though I did get sober and in the beginning of my early recovery, I was focusing on me, I was still you know, life happens. That's another piece of this. You know, I continued to work in the restaurant business. Well, COVID hits. One of the first casualties of COVID was hospitality, restaurants, bars, nightclubs. So that kind of put me out of work. And uh, unfortunately, during this time, um, my mom became very ill. Uh, She was suffering from cancer for a a very, very long time. Um, And I had gotten away from the restaurant business became a caregiver to my mother full time, was very active in the recovery community. But then all these 12-step meetings and live meetings were canceled. Mm -hmm. So I was told by somebody much smarter than me, hey, you need to go on social media, which I thought was the devil, by the way, "Um, and you need to reach um, other addicts and alcoholics. you got to carry the message. Do it through social media, through Zoom, through Instagram, through Facebook. So then I really started focusing on that. And then I decided to take the plunge and I decided to spend a little time actually working on the other side in recovery. So I got a job at a treatment center here locally in Arizona, and I I won't say the name of the institution, but uh, I worked in treatment for about a year, all this time caring for my mother and doing a lot of uh, recovery advocacies online. I reached a ton of people through what I now like to call the tool of social media, Uh, But we got to be careful because it is a tool and uh, I'm addicted to anything that makes me feel good or bad. So I got to be very careful in my everyday life, even with this much time under my belt um, to be careful on social media like anything else. I believe it's something you can become addicted to. So anyway, so I started working in treatment. I started reaching other people that had the same disease that I suffer from, which I believe is a mental disease, which we can touch on later. And I started to to understand and see firsthand really quick that my skill set was not meant to be working in treatment. Um, I realized very quickly that unfortunately, a lot of us go through the revolving door of treatment. And I started to see a lot of the same people in my short time working in treatment, spend the time in treatment, they got honest, and they came right back in. I don't like to use the term just relapse. Um, I don't like the term, I I like to use the term reoccurrence. I personally don't believe that relapse is a part of recovery. I truly believe that relapse is the part of the disease of substance use disorder, but by any means, it is not a part of the disease. Reoccurrence, not relapse is not part of recovery. And I think that unfortunately, again, for a lot of us, myself included, we, can't, we tend to hear that term, oh, relapse, it's part of it. So if I go back out again, if I use drugs again, if I drink again, whatever that you know, substance is, I don't believe in that. It's I'm very, very
0: normalized, normal- yeah.
1: Yes, and I don't like that it's normalized because I'm an addict. I am going to try to manipulate any way possible that I can to get myself to pick up again. I have a disease of the mind, and unfortunately, that disease comes to me in my own voice. It knows my weaknesses, it knows my strengths, and it knows how to get to me. It wants me isolated, it wants my ego to come back, it wants the sickness, the dishonesty, the deceit to come back. So I have to understand on a daily basis, I don't look at relapse as part of it, okay? Relapse, excuse me, reoccurrence is a symptom, a symptom of the disease that I have of addiction. You know what I'm hearing?
0: in this process, did you feel like you at some point lost a part of yourself and then through recovery, you kind of had to rediscover that sense of self?
1: That's a great question. I, yes, I I actually do believe that, that, that in my, during my active addiction, I knew how to do three things very well in my active addiction. I'll sum it up. I knew how to numb myself continuously with drugs and alcohol. I knew how to stuff every emotion every situation and every feeling, stuff, stuff, all this trauma and this anxiety and this depression that I also suffer from, by the way, stuff, 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 stuff. And I knew how to run. When I got open-minded, willing, and the most important, honest with myself, first and foremost, okay, this time around, I couldn't do any of those three things. So the answer to your question, yeah, I had to rediscover myself. I had to understand that I could no longer numb myself with drugs and alcohol. I then, not only can I no longer stuff all these emotions and feelings, and this is where it's crazy to me, is then I had to start learning how to bring all this stuff up. I had to start learning how to sort out all these feelings and all these emotions. I had to learn in the healing process of recovery that I had to find new coping skills. I had no coping skills. And then, last but not least, I had to sit in the shit. I couldn't run anymore. I think a lot of what I do with recoveries when I'm working as a recovery coach is you have to find comfort in the discomfort.
0: So what you're describing sounds terrifying. Yes, it is. <laughs> How did you find the motivation to do that? What what drove you to this place?
1: Well, I mean, I, I don't pull any punches. I truly believe that early recovery was like uh, being on that reality show, Naked and Afraid, on hallucinogenics. That's how scary it was, and that's how foreign this was, and that's how uncomfortable it was. So for me, I had to be willing, as I talked about earlier, it's a big part Mm -hmm. of this. I was given what I believe the gift of desperation. I don't like the term rock bottom either, Jess. That's a term that that you hear a lot, that's tossed about, uh, excuse me, in treatment centers, 12-step meetings. Because what happens if you're living at rock bottom? What happens if your rock bottom is different from my rock bottom? Because we all come in what I call on different levels. What brings us in? Unfortunately, this disease, we usually we usually come in because of pain, because of the horrors of living in the active uh, um, world, because of, of the family members, the loved ones that we so desperately hurt, excuse me, for getting emotional. But that's what brings us in. And the roundabout answer to your question is what keeps us there? How do you get sustained recovery? And that is by doing the work. That is by aligning yourself with a community of people by connecting to people. That's my honest answer is it was all for me in the beginning as scary and as overwhelming as it was. I was willing to do anything. I understood that I being uncomfortable was part of the process. I personally in my own journey, I found myself in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous, 12 steps, whether it's N-A-D-A-C-A-P-A-E-A, I say pick an A, 12 steps in the beginning of early recovery, let me be clear, and we can talk about this later, saved my life. I needed the fellowship. I needed the structure. I needed the human connection that you and me are doing right here, even on this Zoom call and this podcast. I was so isolated and so broken and so beaten by my own disease when I first came into these rooms that I needed this connection. So that was the strength and it takes time. That's the other piece. You know, I'm an extremist who has short-term memory loss who wants everything right now. I want it all and I want it all right now. And you have to relearn these skills and it takes time. And I think that's something that unfortunately a lot of us who suffer from this disease, we don't give it enough time, you know?
0: What about the person that says, oh yeah, you know, I can, I can get clean. I can stay that way, but nothing
1: in my life is going to change.
0: So how Um, do I deal with that reality?
1: Yeah. Well, and that's kind of where recovery breakthrough got created. And that was kind of my vision for this is a lot of us need more than just a 12 step meeting. Um, I think and we can talk about this if I could segue, but I think we spend a a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of energy from not only family members and loved ones. We focus too much on early treatment in this country, I believe. We have a 3 prong approach, basically, in this country to addiction. Detox centers, treatment centers, whether it's inpatient or outpatient, and sober living. And all three of those organizations, and they're all well-meaning, please don't get me wrong, treatment centers are a great starting point. Because they get you away from drugs and alcohol, but that's only the beginning of this journey. This is a continuous journey of recovery. So, recovery breakthrough and recovery coaching is to help people that are suffering with all the overwhelmingness that we're talking about now, Jess. How do they transition back into the real world, into the homes with their, with their families, with their wives, their loved ones, their children? How do they then um, transition back into society, into the workplace? My answer is. It's not just changing one aspect. It's not just changing. Oh, I got to stop using drugs and alcohol or food or gambling or relationships or sex, whatever that coping mechanism unhealthy that we were using to make our lives unmanageable. You, we need more. It cannot be something we have to change and be willing to change in the beginning, especially everything about us. And it's yeah, it's all order. (laughs) It's a yeah, it's it's. It's extremely daunting. It's an extremely t- tall order. And, you know, for a lot of us, for me uh, as well, I can only speak from my own experiences. Once I got away from the drugs and alcohol. Okay. Then you're looking at, for me, it was a couple of months. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I have a ton of anxiety. I have a ton of depression, you know, that I was bearing, that I was self-medicating with. I have some trauma in my life that, that I was running from and I was numbing from. So to me, it's creating a life that you no longer want to escape from. Mm. That's that's one of the true visions of Recovery Breakthrough is I want to work on creating what I call recovery capital by giving um, people the tools, recovery capital, sober insurance. It's all about structuring a new life. As you said, Jess, it is so daunting. It is so overwhelming. and people need to hear the stories of strength and hope. I like to empower the recoveries that I work with, with newfound strength, with a new clarity. I didn't get sober to sit around and be miserable and you know, hide in these 12 step meetings, drinking coffee and, and you know, living a miserable life. You know, w- One of the challenges that I had when I first came into recovery, and this is actually what, part of what sent me back out again, is I call it the Goldilocks and the Three Bears. What I mean, Jess, is that when I first came in, I met people who were so happy to be sober. I mean, these people were just smiling and everything's great and you should be happy you, you're you no longer using anymore and this is the greatest thing ever and life is amazing. And, and they were so happy that I wasn't. And I was looking around and I said to myself, oh my goodness, why are you so happy? I'm miserable. I went back out again then I came back in again because again I knew what I was doing was bad I knew it was wrong but that's the disease and then this time around I came back in and I was like okay I don't want to hang out in the soft bed like Goldilocks and the three bears with the happy people I want to hang out with the mean angry people the sober people who were hard and dedicated and yes even though I'm sober I'm going to stay sober but life sucks I hate this misery loves company people And I stayed sober for a little bit and I'm not putting anyone down, please. But eventually I was like, this is what it's all about. This is what a life of recovery is. This is miserable. I went back out again. That's what it took for me. So when I finally came back this time around I finally understood that life's gonna be good. Life's gonna be bad. And unfortunately sometimes life's gonna be ugly but I needed to surround myself with people, okay? who were right in the middle. And that's why I say Goldilocks and the Three Bears, because I ended up finding the fellowship that I could be held accountable by, that I was comfortable in, who took life on life's terms. And that's what this comes down to, is learning new coping skills, new behaviors. I didn't know anything. I came into these rooms, I didn't know. I literally was so terrified of life. And I was so used to just isolating and then getting into my own head. My my mind likes to make up stories that are unbelievable, that have a beginning, a middle, and an end, even before they happen. And if I don't have people around me on a daily basis who I can speak this to, who I can talk about life with, and again, good, bad, and ugly, I don't think I ever had a chance.
0: How does recovery coaching differ from traditional talk therapy or having a sponsor?
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I tend to look at it this way that uh, a recovery coach, I'm not a therapist by all means. Okay. I am not a sponsor by all means. Um, If you do the history and you do the research, which I have into uh, AA into what um, you know, Bill W created, geez, going on almost a hundred years now, what a sponsor is supposed to do. And this is by design is take, sponsees through the 12 steps of the 12-step program, whether that's NA or CA or DA or, of course, AA. I do not do that. What I do is I work one-on-one with my recoveries in developing what I referred to earlier as sober insurance recovery capital. So what I do is I start working with them on life skills, on how to transition and heal back into living a life of sobriety. The other piece of what Recovery Breakthrough does is I'm all about creating connections within the recovery community. I go on sober hikes. We do sober, I don't want to use the term sober because after a while it isn't just sober, we do fun activities together. I have a group of incredible people, professionals who have made the choice and who have sustained continuous recovery to then go and, and and become part of a community. That's what I kind of impose is we, we do uh, community activities together. So that way you have the support, not just from your recovery coach, from me or one of my coaches, but you also have the support from people that have suffered from this disease. Because to me, and I said this earlier, being open and being honest and being willing is the beginning of the recovery journey. So how do we sustain continuous recovery? That is by building a social and sober network of people, okay, that we can reach out to. I'm a motivator, I'm a role model. Um, I'm a truth teller, I'm an advocate. Uh, I'm a resource broker. A lot of us don't have jobs. A lot of us when we first finally take that leap of self desperation, don't have a place to live. We unfortunately lose the support. Um, I also and my team work hopefully if you have family that, 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 that is there for support. So we not only work with the recovery, the person suffering from the mental disease of addiction, but we also work with the support, family members, the loved ones, to, to help them have a better understanding it. You know that's a whole other piece is you know if you don't suffer from this disease, how do you if you're a family member or a loved one, this is all brand new. This is all foreign to you. So that's another piece of what we do is we work with the family members to hopefully work on getting their trust back. If a family member maybe needs an Al-Anon meeting, you know, um, they need to get help. Um, and then more as well is we also, if I have recoveries that do need outside therapy or psychiatry, you know, um, we also get them in contact as a resource broker with other needs, whether it's trauma or I've noticed, you know, you see a lot of us have, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, depression. You know, we come from domestic violence. I mean, there's a laundry list of, um, you know, challenges that we see again, once alcohol and drugs or whatever that addiction is, is taken out of the equation. That's when the real work begins. That's when the journey of recovery begins.
0: I love it. Well said. Is there anything I didn't ask about that you feel uh, is important to share or you know, some, some space that we need to explore more?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, as you can tell, I mean, I'm, I'm very much a recovery advocate. Um, very, very lately um, I've kind of become um, in very obsessed with, there's a book that's called The Hero with a Thousand Faces. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's by a writer, uh, Joseph Campbell. So I'm a very big analogy guy. I like to kind of bring real world analogies into the discussions on recovery, which um, is something that I think we need to do more of as a society is I think we're too busy hiding. And there's such a social stigma, if you wanna to touch on that by society, because it's one thing for me with my lived experience and recovery breakthrough to reach others who are so dearly suffering from the disease of addiction. But what about society? There is such a social stigma. There's conversations that need to be had, okay? 100,000 people died of drug overdoses this year. So to put that into reality, put that into terms, 275 people like me are gonna die today from overdoses. And that doesn't include the uh, you know, psoriasis of the liver from drinking, kidney failure, heart disease, Uh, domestic violence, DUIs. I mean, I can go on and on. So we're talking hundreds of people are suffering and dying from this disease a day, okay? They're they're ending up in jails and institutions. They're going through what I unfortunately believe to be the revolving door of treatment. Treatment is only the beginning. I truly believe we're spending so much time, energy, resources on early recovery. We need to take some of that And we need to transition that into long-term continuous recovery. My journey has not been a race. It's not a sprint. It's not a marathon. It is a lifelong journey. I'm going to have coming on a couple of months from now, five years of clean and sober time. But my disease is like a well-trained sniper. I truly believe that. If you stick around the rooms like I have, or if you're in recovery, you hear people say, oh, even though you're not using... OK, You're, uh, our disease is doing push ups, waiting for you to, you know, get back out there. I take it a step further. My active disease, my addiction is like a well-trained sniper. And if I let my guard down, if I'm not doing what I need to do structurally every day, it will take me out. It will prey on my weaknesses. It'll wait for me to think I got this whole thing figured out. It'll wait for my ego to come back. It'll wait for me to say, oh, I am like everyone else. I can handle one drink. That's what this disease does, okay? Is it's progressive even though we're not active in it. So getting back to my earlier statement about uh, the hero with a thousand faces by Joseph Campbell, he makes a point to talk about a hero's journey. And that's something that I think isn't talked about enough in recovery is the hero's journey is pretty simple. It's, It's about a hero who must separate from family and community and entry into an unknown world. Sound familiar? For me, it was early parts of recovery, okay? Then as the adventure unfolds, the hero encounters numerous trials and tribulations that test his or her own character. That sounds like getting honest, willing, and ready. And really, as we talked about early, Jess, pushing ourselves to be uncomfortable to really start doing the work on ourselves. And then here's the last part of the hero's journey, okay, is after the journey, the transformation that the hero recognizes and embraces new sources of power, self-power, and understanding, and is reborn into a new consciousness and a new relationship with the world. But here's the most difficult part of the journey is the return home. Mm. And I think that is what continuous recovery is because returning home what a hero does is now the hero has to acclimate back into home back into community and also carry the message of the journey and i'm sorry for getting emotional but recovery is about a hero's journey we in this country too much put the stigma on those of us who are suffering and i don't i look at i look at it the complete opposite is that if we can make it through this disease, if we can survive this disease and end up on the other side of recovery, living a new world, reacclimating back with our loved ones, our family and our friends, if that's not a true hero's journey of self-discovery and strength and overcoming obstacles, then I want somebody to tell me what is. It's powerful. It's very powerful. And that's what I think is what's going to help heal people is the power of inspiration, and people need to hear our stories. Okay, people need to hear our our experience, strength, and hope. We are recovery carriers, and we have to stop hiding. And that's one of my big passions as well. Is not only did I create Recovery Breakthrough, not just to help others transition, gain continuous sobriety, okay, but also to help be an advocate to society so they have a better understanding of the disease that we suffer from. Because I can't get mad at society. I, I did for a while, trust me. I went through that stage. Why don't they understand me? What's wrong with all you people? I'm insane, okay? But it's part of it. It's part of understanding that we need to educate. We need to have these discussions. If treatment in this country, okay, is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, Jess, We need to be talking about it. We need to be having these discussions. That's how you fix things. If if something's not working, let's talk about it. Why isn't it working? Okay, how can we do a better job? With the numbers that I just described earlier, with hundreds and hundreds of people losing their lives and loved ones having to bury their loved ones from this disease. And yet it's still a stigma, what we need to hide. We can't have the conversations just that we're having now. That's not good enough. We Mm -hmm. need to do better as a community, as a society. And it's all gonna be done with empathy and understanding, education and support. Because accountability has been a massive part of my recovery, not just people that in my life that I've put in my life, which is uncomfortable, Jess, Nobody likes to be held accountable. Trust me. Try that for the normal people out there. Now, this is this is the craziest part. Now, try holding your own self accountable for your own actions. Okay? Try that on for size and try changing everything about yourself. And I'm laughing because that is, that's insane to me. But it's part of what we do. And that's why Recovery Breakthrough was founded because – we need to hold each other accountable. We need to support each other. Because I'm sorry, this is a a massive belief of mine, that confrontation without compassion is abuse. Let me say that again because I need to hear these words because trust me, nobody beats Eric up more than Eric. And this is what I have to remind myself of every day. Confrontation without compassion is abuse. So we can't just be running around holding each other accountable without the compassion and the education on how to do so. It's so impactful what you're talking about,
0: because I agree with you. I think the stigma is a big part of, you know, how are we supposed to have compassion for ourselves along that journey if we're constantly being told by all of these other outside, you know, factors, how how bad we are and how horrible this is and how, you know, we're not going to, We're not going to make it. And and the statistics, even that can be really daunting. Staggering,
1: yes, overwhelming, Jess. And and that's why, and and I think that that's part of it too, and thank you for bringing that up, is the self-doubt, the self-worth. Our disease wants that. And I said this earlier, our disease preys on that. Oh, here comes the pity party, okay? And I deal with a lot of recoveries and early recovery, and it's that realization of, in the beginning, it's like three steps. It's okay. Um, I've been running from this. Then when you first come in and you, and you, and you start the journey of recovery, then it's the, you know, acceptance of, wait a minute, I do have a disease. And to me, here's the beauty. The beauty then becomes when you start to learn how to embrace it. And that's what you're hearing in my voice. That's the intensity. That's the passion is I'm no longer afraid. I'm no longer escaping who I am. And one of the first questions you ask me is is about, okay, did you discover who you are? I am continuously discovering who I am. And I can honestly say these words to you. Am I still crazy? Absolutely. I some of the thoughts that I have, Jess. I believe that my mind is a uh, thought generator, computer. It's just spitting out all these random thoughts. Thousands upon thousands of thoughts are being generated randomly by my diseased brain every day. But here's the beauty that I learned in recovery. And this is what we also talk about in Recovery Breakthrough. I don't have to act on all those thoughts. And not only do I not have to act on them, I can let them go. I don't have to hold on to the resentment, the grief, the shame, the guilt, all the anxiety. I mean, I can talk to you hours hours upon hours on just the anxiety of this disease, of waking up every morning with the what the F's. Where the F am I? What the F's going on? Where the F is my car? What the F did I do last night? Uh, looking at my phone to try to figure out what the F I got up to, who do I have to apologize to? I mean, it's it's endless. I mean, the last thing that, that, that we've really talked about too is is I believe that it's it's, It's mind healing, it's spirit healing, and it's body healing. So that's why I promote with Recovery Breakthrough, we do a lot of physical activities. It's moving around. It's getting outside. It's going on sober hikes. It's pushing your mind, body, and soul, I believe, to uncomfortable levels. Because that's a big part of it is we need to learn how to get uncomfortable again. I ran from anything that made me feel uncomfortable in my active addiction. Literally, the littlest things. i got to go use over this. And I don't believe to use the term triggers either. That's something else. Another word. I don't like relapse. I don't like triggers. Because I believe we put too much weight on triggers. I do. Now, by all means, early recovery, if you're an alcoholic, don't hang out in bars. Okay, you don't want to be around people who are drinking in early recovery. If you're a drug addict, you probably don't want to hang out with people who are using drugs. I'm not saying that. That should be a given, but I got to say that. I'm saying is recovery isn't about avoiding triggers. Recovery to me is about learning how to push through those triggers, how to push through the pattern, the pain, the story and rewrite your own different ending. That to me is what continuous recovery is the heart of the process. And it's a long process. It's not an easy process. It doesn't happen fast, but you gotta hang in there. And that's what I tell new recoveries that we work with at Recovery Breakthrough. You have to weather the early storm. That's what it is because there's so much darkness in my experiences and isolation that we don't even know what light is. And then Mm. you see that light, Jess, for me, when I work with people, when I see that flickering light come on in someone that has seen so much turmoil and pain and suffering, and in my experience is utter hell, continuously, because true insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, accepting different results. And that's what this disease does to us, gets inside our heads, and it rots us, it just does from the inside out. So, you know, that's what I really wanted to just put out there is it's 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 more than just working on our on our on our mind. It's about working on our souls, our spirits. It's about getting physical. It's about mental well-being as well. You know, to this day, I'm, I'm structured. And then that's another piece that we do with recoveries is we have to start from the, we have to start from scratch, you know, learning how to do things differently. Learning how to cope differently, how to develop new behaviors. So that's something else that we uh, that we try. And, and everyone's different. That's a whole other piece. I just want to touch on quickly: is you know everyone has a different path in recovery. And I'm going to say this: there is no wrong path to recovery. And that's why I mean I, we talked earlier about 12 steps. It doesn't have to be a 12 step program. It doesn't have to be a treatment center. You know, it takes what it takes. And that's why, again, I don't like the term rock bottom because we all have different bottoms. Let's say that you're somebody that just, I don't know, you feel like you're you know, drinking too much. You're getting kind of sick and tired of getting these horrible hangovers. It's starting to affect you. So you decide to stop. Should you be different from the homeless person who's lost everything, who lives under a bridge and has lost every family human emotion contact? I don't believe that there's a difference between the two because your bottom is your bottom it all depends on where you want to get off this elevator of the descent into hell is and that and, and that floor could be different so i don't that's what actually kept me is when i tried to get sober years and years ago and i did i tried numerous things i kept we compare ourselves to other people so i that's part of it too and that isn't just an addiction disease that's a that's a human condition So something else that I try to to, 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 inspire is, hey, instead of looking at the differences between you and someone else, look at the similarities. Instead of looking at the negativity or the negative aspects of a situation that you find yourself in, here's a crazy thought. Look at the positivities. But that's that's the change, Jess, is that's changing the way you think. And I think there's a misconception. Yes, we have to ex- we have to change internal aspects and external. It's twofold of our lives, and it's a tall order. It gets back to what we said earlier. It takes, I believe, for a lot of us more than hey, I'm just not going to use, or I'm just going to go to treatment for a month or three months, or you know, I, I mean, you and me can talk for hours about you know sober living, which I'm sorry to say is needed for some people, but that doesn't keep you sober. It is a it is it's a great it's a great external way of being living with people. But anyway, I can go. uh, (laughs) So,
0: what about the practical aspects of this? I can hear the skeptic listening to this saying something like, "Well, yeah, that's all well and good, but this isn't accessible to me. Like, what's the cost here?" And I mean practical cost, right? I know there's a lot of costs involved, but um, you know, even just the the idea of being honest with yourself, that type of thing. But what are the ways that people start this process with recovery breakthrough and what can they look at financially how does that start to get the ball rolling
1: yeah i mean we we as i said earlier jess we deal with various recoveries that come to us on what i call different earlier paths so example, uh, I have recoveries that, that literally have never tried to get sober or clean before in their entire life. So they're completely unfamiliar with any type of treatment, any type of, we talk 12 steps or detox treatment centers. So we look at, we, we look at them on a different path. Some of us have already been to, and I can say this, numerous treatment centers. I mean, numerous treatment centers. I, when I was working treatment, I saw people that, that came through the doors two or three times. So the answer to your question is financially, um, we try to meet the recoveries where they are. Unfortunately, uh, because of state regulations, uh, we don't take insurance, which is something that as a recovery advocate, I'm hoping just to one day get in front of the Senate, Congress, the lawmakers, because I truly believe that recovery uh, coaching, that, that supporting continuous long-term care, okay, is something that we need, that needs to be addressed. But to answer your question directly is um, we don't take insurance. So I try to work with recoveries to see where they're at. Obviously, you know, there is finances that are involved, but that's on an individual client basis. Uh, We do offer uh, a free consultation. So I recommend to people that are curious that maybe have questions. And of course, when it comes to finances, um, you know, um, we have that conversation when we do our 30 to 45 minute consultation. So, my best answer would be if you're curious, if you're out there and you're sick of being sick and tired, or you just don't know what to do or how to do it, whether you're someone that suffers from this disease or a family member that has a loved one who maybe you've seen go through treatment, who maybe you've heard a thousand times, I'm sorry, I'm never going to do this again, I'm done. Recovery Breakthrough Recovery Coaching Jets, to me, is a newer way of hopefully obtaining continuous recovery. Um, We work one-on-one, whether it's either Zoom or one-on-one, is is part of the services of Recovery Breakthrough. We do daily check-ins, daily homework assignments. Um, If they're local and we live in the same area, as I said, we do community uh, sober clean outings, whether it's trail running, hiking trips you know, we do stuff together as a community. If 12 steps are involved, we go to meetings together. We meet before, we meet after. We integrate our clients with the beautiful, structured, strength-based community that we've already structured. And that's really what the vision is, Jess, is to, is to basically get more and more people suffering from this disease and not just the people that have the disease, but family members connected with others like us. How do people find you? Um, I would recommend, first and foremost, to please go to my website, recoverybreakthrough.com. Um, you can contact me, learn more of what recovery coaching is and what we do. Um, and I uh, also have an Instagram page, which I highly recommend people checking out, which is also recovery breakthrough is my Instagram title and name. And I do a ton of recovery-based videos that I post sometimes daily, sometimes weekly, on just sober tips, what it's like in early recovery, various topics. Uh, I'm also hopefully going to be doing my own podcast uh, at some point moving forward. Uh, We're also going to be creating a a YouTube channel, uh, a recovery-based channel on how to live a, again, not mundane sober life, but an incredibly fun, exciting life of sobriety. And that to me amongst other things is really such an, An exciting part of the journey is, as we talked about earlier, self-discovery. Like, look what I can do now. Like, I make this joke. I'm a very physical person. Is I treated my body and my mind and my soul so incredibly poorly on a daily basis, my active addiction, that now that I've got the drugs and alcohol and other bad things away, it's like my body's a new car. It's like, what can I do with this car right now? Like, I didn't service this car. I never took it in. I beat beat the crap out of it. Now I got this brand new car. What would you do with a brand new car? Will you take it out? Let's see what this can do. And that's the beauty. One of the beauties of continuous recovery is is that's something else that we stress.
0: Very cool. Thank you so much for your time today, Eric. It was an absolute pleasure talking with you.
1: No, Jess, thank you guys so much. Um, I look forward to continuing this conversation again. But uh, seriously, this was truly a gift. Uh, The more people I can hopefully... Uh, share my experience, strength, and hope with uh, the better. And again, I just want to remind anyone out there if you're just the very bit curious, um, please go to recoverybreakthrough dot com. Check out our website. Check me out on Instagram, recovery breakthrough. We're here to change lives.
0: Got questions or ideas for the podcast, or perhaps you have your own story to share? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery dot com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcast. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara Lamontine, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.